If you have a Bible with you, uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. So this past Thursday, uh, Chloe and I were heading to Evansville. We were going to spend some time together. Uh, normally, we kind of do that on Mondays, but Monday didn't work out. So uh, we went on Thursday, and uh, if you know anything about how going to Evansville was on Thursday, you know that there is a long traffic jam on 41. And so I know in the past I've told you that I rely probably too much on my GPS on my phone. Well, we were going to a new restaurant. We hadn't been there. I've never driven there. It was on the west side of Evansville, which I'm very uncomfortable with driving in. Um, but I was like, at the very beginning, I know how to get to Evansville. I know how to get to the west side. But instead of waiting to get to Evansville to put it in my GPS, we were sitting there, and I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and put it in. And so I, I put it in the GPS, and it, it tells me there's a slight delay. That's what it said. That's what Google Maps told me. Slight delay on 41, but you're on the fastest route. I was like, okay. So I start driving, and just out of habit, I turn like I normally go to Evansville. And I look down, and I see that uh, what Google Maps is trying to get me to do is to go on Green Street. And I was like, I never go on Green Street to go to, to Evansville. And so I sat there for a minute, and I was like, well... The last time that I didn't trust Google, I was stuck in a traffic jam. So I went ahead and went kind of the back way over by Sherway to Green Street. Started driving on Green Street. And then it took me all the way around uh, back up to 14th to the hospital. And then took me the back way on the, the back roads on 41. And I was packing or passing by the back side of Taco Bell. And I saw cars at a standstill. And I said, this is why I trust my GPS. Because Jeep or Google Maps told me, go to Green Street, it'll save you time. And it did. Uh, we were still backed up for like 15, 20 minutes. Uh, it took us out by that motel uh, right beside the bridge. But as we approach the holiday season, it's one of these times of the year that we just get used to traffic jams. It, it seems like all the time with as many people that are traveling home for the holidays, there's always a traffic jam somewhere, mostly because people don't know how to drive and they wreck their cars, but there's always seems to be a traffic jam. And if you've ever been in a traffic jam, well, let, let's face it, if you haven't been in a traffic jam, you're a living miracle. And I hope that you experience life and have a traffic jam at some point. Because you just need to experience it to connect with the rest of society, right? But if you've been in a traffic jam, you know that when you travel, it can make things stressful. Especially if you're trying to get somewhere at a desired time because they mess up your plans. They can make you late. Holidays can bring some great joy, some great memories, spending time with family, giving and receiving gifts. But holidays can also be some of the busiest times of the year. And for some of us, it might even be the most anxious or overwhelming seasons of our life. See, the holidays can bring some spiritual and mental roadblocks and traffic jams that get in the way and try to rob us of our hope, joy, peace, and love. And so last week, we touched on the story of Martha and Mary and how Martha was running around because she was 
saw all of the responsibilities and how Mary was where she was supposed to be at the feet of Jesus. And we oftentimes relate more to Martha during the holidays, but not just the holidays, everyday life. We have all of these responsibilities that need to be taken care of to where at the, we're at the point to where we're like, I can't really spend time with Jesus as much as I would like to, but because I have so much to do. And it seems like life kind of takes control of you instead of you taking control over your life. That and the additional maybe relational stresses or travel stresses that happen. Maybe some of you are starting to get anxious because the flu hasn't hit your home and you're wondering when it's going to hit your home or COVID or RSV or whatever it is. But I don't know what you're anxious about today. But being anxious, being stressed, being overwhelmed, whatever you want to call it, can steal your joy and it can steal your thankfulness this season. And so I'm hoping that throughout this series, but also today, uh, you find a way to, to go around the traffic jam and uh, find a way to be thankful this season. Because let's be honest, how many of us are super thankful when we're in the middle of stress? Probably not very many of us. Like, how many of you, when you're stressed to the max, life is overwhelming, you have all of these different things that are coming at once, and you just sit there and you're like, oh, I'm just so thankful that my responsibility list is going to last me. I'm going to be busy every single hour for the rest of my life. This is awesome. I'm so privileged to be so stressed right now. No, none of us are doing that, okay? But there's a reason, there's a, there's a way to be thankful. See, oftentimes we allow stress and anxiousness to take control and we lose our sense of thankfulness to God and, and in the midst of all of our circumstances. When that happens, we're often more thankful for the good times than we are for the bad times. But the Bible teaches us to be thankful in all situations. So in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and for this moment. Lord, speak to us as you only know how. Open up our hearts to listen to you. And Lord, help us to be more thankful and filled with joy this season than maybe we've ever felt since we've been here. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing in this church. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week, uh, we talked about the movie Home Alone. I'm going to continue that for this week, maybe even next week. I don't know how long this illustration is going to run. But uh, last week, we focused on the mom and dad, how they got on the plane, and they forgot Kevin. They forgot their own son, Kevin. And Kevin was all alone. This time, I want to focus on Kevin's side of the story, which is what the majority of the movie is about. Um, but Kevin realizes that he's all alone in the house after his entire family had left. And what does he do? He goes crazy. He starts doing all of the stuff. He, he's jumping all over the bed. He's eating a lot of ice cream. He's watching a movie that you can only assume he wasn't allowed to watch. And uh, he's doing everything. He's breaking all of the rules. And there comes a moment to where he starts to get kind of bored and is like, well, I can't really do this forever. I need to go get groceries. So he goes and he gets some groceries. And, and as he's walking back, there's a scene that I remember very vividly where he gets frightened 
because he almost gets run over by two guys in a white van. And it goes like right up to his face and he just keeps on walking. But then these guys start following him. And you could see that the frightened, anxious boy walking back to his house, wondering what was going to happen. Now, shortly after, and this is kind of where the, the rest of the movie takes place, is these two burglars named Harry and Marv try to break into the McAllister household for basically the rest of it, only to be outsmarted by this eight-year-old boy named Kevin who set a bunch of traps all over the place. And this is because Kevin realizes what they're trying to do, and he knows that he needs to defend his home for his family. Now, throughout the movie, there's this mysterious old man with a snow shovel. You know who I'm talking about? As a kid, I was terrified of this guy. Every time he'd show up on the screen, I'd look away. I'd be like, ah, right? It scared me. And so it, he also scared Kevin. Kevin was very terrified. He was anxious whenever he saw this man. Oftentimes, you'd see him. When he'd see him outside, he'd run back in the house real quick. Now, towards the end of the movie, Kevin is setting all of these traps, and he has all these traps set, but eventually the uh, Harry and Marv figure it out. They figure out all of the traps, and then what happens? He gets trapped in a corner, and when Kevin gets trapped in the corner, they pick him up, and they, they hang him on the little coat hanger on, on the door, and they start telling him all of the horrible things that they're going to do to him to, to repay him for all the pain that he caused. Then, out of nowhere, this older man comes in and hits Harry and Marv, both with the snow shovel. They get knocked out cold, and then the, the rest of the movie, they go to jail. The whole family gets to reunite for Christmas night. Now, throughout this entire movie, Kevin is dealing with a high level of stress and anxiety, dealing with it in his own way. Now, part of the stress and anxiety caused him to be very creative in the way that he was combating this, uh, this threat into his household. And, and that came with all of the creative ways and the creative traps that he set for these burglars. But when we deal with anxious thoughts, we do the same thing because we feel like it's a battle. We, we look at anxiousness and we're like, okay, we're not supposed to be anxious because God's word says, do not be anxious. And so we have to defend ourselves from ever feeling anxious. So we come up with these creative ways to deter it. We come up with these traps, these walls that we build up into our house, which is our soul, to defend ourselves from being anxious. And most of the things that you find in the world to deal with anxiety are very similar to that. They're, they're how-tos, how to build up a wall so that you don't feel anxious, how to do these things and what I've found is not all, but most of the things that we try don't go to the core issue of being anxious. Instead, we just surround ourselves with walls to where we can't feel anxious, but deep down inside, we're still anxious because we're wondering if the walls are going to hold up. And it's because we know that we need to defend our house. We need to defend our body and our mind and our spirit against feeling anxious. And for some of us, we're really good at managing it. We're, we're managing our anxious thoughts and feelings. We're defending ourselves from being controlled by it. But sometimes life just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse 
and worse. And eventually, and I'm sure that most of you, if not all of you, have encountered this in your life, eventually you'll run out of ideas on how to combat it. You'll run out of different tricks and, and things. You'll look up on Google or uh, maybe you watch a YouTube video on how to deal with stress and anxiety and you've tried it all and you just can't seem to get a hold of it. It seems to start to control you. You get overwhelmed. You get trapped into a corner and just like Kevin and Home Alone, you're hanging on by a thread. And, and it's almost like a waiting game of when is this thread going to snap? You see, King David was in a very similar place. What we find in Psalm chapter 31, David is dealing with this. He's dealing with enemies, rumors of, of people coming to try and kill him. And he's uh, writing this and he's praying this to God. And this is what we find in Psalm chapter 31, starting in verse 9. King David says, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weary with sorrow. My soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all of my enemies, I'm in utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I was dead. I've become like broken pottery for i hear many whispering terror on every side they conspire against me and plot to take my life you see what david is in the middle of is a very stressful and anxious filled life and he's fighting to survive now from what i've seen and i've experienced in my life there's two main ways that people react to high levels of stress or anxiety when, or when they're backed up in a corner. Now, it's not scientific. It's not proven. This is just what I've noticed. So don't take my word and say, this is what Pastor Logan says, so this is exactly how it's be. This is just my, my opinion. I'll put it that way. It's my opinion on what I've seen and experienced in my life. Either they let anxiety take control of them, or they accept it. They either let it control them, or they accept it. Now, what I'm going to tell you in the sermon is how to deal with it. But most of the time, people either let it control them or they accept it. Here's what I mean. When you let anxiety control you, you start to be controlled by your emotions and your feelings. And if you've ever been around someone who allows their emotions and their feelings to control their life, they're not pleasant to be around. Especially in high-stress situations. When they're very stressed, they're very quick-tempered. They're, they're very, um, very mean. They're, they're mean people. And when they allow this to happen into their life, they're saying, forget the walls. I'm just going to let it do whatever it wants. And so they're guided by temporary feelings and ideas and thoughts. They'll often take things that you say the wrong way and blow up at you. They play the victim and they let their anger and their anxiousness control all of their decisions. Sometimes they internalize things. And eventually, when their last thread is on the line, they'll explode at the people that they love the most. Or they accept it. That is that whenever it happens, they 
pick it up, they wad it up, they throw it out. They never deal with it. It's more like running or freezing up at situations. They'll say things like, uh, it is what it is. They'll forget about it. They'll move on. And they'll even say things like, no matter how hard I try to fight it, I will never be happy. See, both will end their lives miserable. The first one will constantly be running or fighting against anxiety and allowing their fear of being anxious to control everything. And it takes a hold of them. Or that they'll live an unfulfilled life, thinking that they just deserve a horrible life, thinking that life is just always going to be against me and there's nothing that I can do against it. So it is what it is. See, both will seek empathy, but they will never be fulfilled. You can't be too nice to these people because it doesn't matter how nice you are, how encouraging you are, they will always shut it down because life has just been that bad. You see, but there's a better way. There's a way to actually deal with it. And it's not that anxious thoughts and feelings will never return, but you'll be more prepared to take it on and to get to the core of it. And it comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Just put it all on him. God is here, and his word says, I will take care of your anxiety. Just cast it all on me, and I'll take care of it. And so just like the old man with the shovel in Home Alone, He's there to protect you. Sometimes because of our pride or just simple fear of letting God have control, every time that we see him in a stressful situation, we run inside. We try to hide from God because we want to deal with it and we want to have the satisfaction of saying, I overcame this. Instead of just giving it to God and God saying, I overcame it for you. And so just like that old man, sometimes we run into our, our soul, we run into our mind, and we're running away from God. But God is there to protect you. He's there to save you. And just think about it. it. It would be a boring movie, but imagine how much less trouble Kevin would have had to gone through if he just walked over to his neighbor and said, hey, I think they're trying to break in. Can you stay with me? Granted, it wouldn't be a movie. Like No one's going to make that movie. But if you just think about it, how much less trouble Kevin would have had to go through if he had that old man there with the shovel waiting. It's the same way with you. You don't have to put all these traps up. You don't have to do all of these things to protect yourself. God is there to take care of it for you. So cast it all on him. Give it all to him. Surrender everything to him, and he will take care of it. That's his promise. And that's what King David did. If you go back to Psalm verse th or chapter 31 and verse 14, after pouring out his heart and how he's like, I'm anxious, God, is basically what he's saying. I'm anxious. I'm fearful. I, all of these things are happening in verse 14. But I trust in you, Lord. But I trust in you, Lord. And I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. 
Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. And you hear that. Maybe you're here like, yeah, Logan, I know. I know I'm supposed to cast it on him. You don't know how many Thanksgivings I've heard, how many Thanksgiving sermons I've heard where 1 Peter 5, 7 was mentioned and, you know, just cast it all on him. You'll be thankful. Just cast it all on him. And it always just seems to come back. Or maybe you're like, well, I know I'm supposed to cast it. I just don't know how. No one's told me how to cast it. I, I just, I go to God and I say, I'm casting it, I, I guess. Well, it's a good thing that you're here today because I'm going to give you some more essentials in your walk through the holidays. Two more essentials to carry with you in the face of anxiety. Prayer and thanksgiving. Now, I know those are vague and predictable, but that's what it is. Prayer and thanksgiving. Going back to Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. So the first one's pray about it. Just like Martha and Mary from last week, Martha was frustrated and anxious about making everything perfect for Jesus, but Mary knew that she just needed to sit at the feet of Jesus. So when you feel overwhelmed or start making up scenarios, sometimes we get anxious about things that didn't even happen, that were never even going to happen. Because in our minds, we're thinking of conversations, we're thinking of ways that everything could just fall apart, and we get so trapped in what might fall apart rather than what's reality. And so we can feel overwhelmed and start making up scenarios of what might happen, and you find yourself anxious that's your red flag to start praying about it. Don't wait. Just sit there, wherever you are, silently pray. Say, God, I'm feeling anxious right now. These signals are, are coming off. There's an attack coming, and, and I need some help. And this is your signal from the Holy Spirit saying, hey, slow down. Just slow down for a second. Step into my presence. Slow down. Step into my presence. And I'm telling you, he will give you a peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. Now, I know we're not in Advent yet. Some of you need to hear it today, and you'll hear it in a couple weeks again about peace. Because you need peace. But when you're in the presence of God, through genuine worship and prayer, you'll be in the midst even though you're in the midst of chaos, you will feel that peace. And what happens when you get that peace from personal experience? You think things more clearly. When you're at peace in the midst of chaos, you can look at the situation and not be overwhelmed by it. And it's because God is going to the core of your anxiety and saying, slow down, just be with me. I'll take care of this, you just be with me. But in order to get this peace, you have to come to him. You have to humble yourself. Say, I can't, I can't do it on my own. Come before him in prayer and petition and present your request to God. Second thing is mentioned is Thanksgiving. Not the meal, although that's great. But to just be thankful. To express your gratitude towards God. When the alarm of anxiety and stress and overwhelm, overwhelming feelings is ringing in your mind, 
take out your journal, take out your Bible, and write at least three things that you're thankful for. Write more if you can think of them. The, the longer that you do this and the more things that you write down, the better you'll feel. But write down at least three things that you're thankful for that day and that moment. Take a moment and focus on the gratitude that you have towards God about who he is, what he's done for you and your family and your grandkids and your kids and throughout your entire life. Because when you focus on your gratitude towards God, you can't be anxious at the same time. You can't be thankful and anxious at the same time. It's impossible. When you express gratitude, your brain releases the hormone called dopamine, which is the happiness hormone. And so when you're stressed and you're anxious and you start having that released in your brain, then you'll feel less stressed, you'll feel less anxious, and you'll start to calm down and slow down in his presence. The expressing gratitude regularly will give you a more optimistic look on life because anxiety is not taking control. Thankfulness is. God is. And we can find a lot of different ways to find peace in our lives, but the only one that will last is through Christ. So in your anxious, overwhelming, and stressful moments this holiday season, remember to slow down, to step into his presence, to pray about it, and just be thankful. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for this time and for this moment. Lord, help us to be more thankful in the midst of all of our responsibilities, our, our time, everything that goes on that, that we're trying to figure out. It's making us a little stressed and anxious and overwhelmed. Lord, remind us daily. This isn't just a weekly thing that we need to do. It's a daily thing where we need to come to you, sit down, and experience that peace that passes all understanding. So that when stress and when anxiety comes knocking on our door, trying to rob our joy and our peace and our patience and, and our hope and our love, when, when it tries to come in, we don't have to set all of these traps, but instead we just trust in you that you're going to take care of it for us. And we'll just be able to just sit and relax in your peace. Lord, help us to do that this week. Help us to seek you. Lord, we thank you for all that you are doing and all that you've done. For it's in Jesus' name, amen.